We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. I wanted to jump in quickly and let you know about the release of the audio version of my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, narrated by David A. Knesser. If you want to support the show, you can buy it wherever audiobooks are sold. Links are also in the show notes. Now on to my guest for today, Jan Cavell, author and entrepreneur. Jan ran her own furniture company in England for over 19 years before giving it up. She now shares her insights and expertise with the world through her writing and speaking. Her book, Scale for Success, is forthcoming from Bloomsbury in February. Jan grew up on a farm and took a series of sales jobs. Once she became a single mom, she was motivated to earn enough to support her family. She tried her hand at buying and selling wares to interior designers. When she found she couldn't obtain what the market was demanding, she took out a loan to start her own furniture company. Jan talks about the tough time she went through that almost broke her, something a lot of entrepreneurs go through but rarely talk about. After some years, she became burnt out and eventually decided to leave the business that was no longer satisfying her desire to live with purpose. She found that she loved writing so much that she faced her fears of being an imposter to publish her writings online and eventually landing a book contract to write about the entrepreneurial journey. Scale for Success, her book, shares insights and stories from her own journey, as well as that of other entrepreneurs all across the globe. Now, let's get better together. Jan Cavell, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so, so much. I'm super chuffed to be here. Well, thank you. And uh, I had been doing some research on you and uh What's really cool is that, of course, you're coming out with your first book in February of 2021. 
we're actually recording this in the latter half of 2020, uh, Scale for Success, which of course, you know, I have a warm spot in my heart for any author because <laughs> I'm an <laughs> author and, <clears throat> excuse me, I know how hard it is to write books. Uh, and I think I told you before, once you write your first book, you'll just keep on writing books because it's so much fun. Uh, and want to talk about that um, as we get going. But before we get to all that, as I always like to say, uh, why don't you tell me how you got to do what you're doing today? Well, it's been a, a long and a bit of a circuitous journey on the way here. Um, I started off, well, I started off taking jobs because that was what was very much expected of, of me from the sort of background I was in. I was very much expected to uh, get a job, get married and, you know, and stop stop work actually um and I didn't really like any of that much and I decided that I would much rather um have a bit more control of my own life and start doing bits and pieces for myself so it was very much bits and pieces I mean in those days people didn't talk about entrepreneurs or entrepreneurship or you know most people didn't think about starting businesses actually um certainly certainly as you say rightly say not women um you know because uh, we're going back a fair chunk of time now and uh you know, so um, I, I wasn't trying to be an entrepreneur. A, I didn't know what it was, and B, I certainly had no no picture in my mind of of growth businesses or anything like that at all. I was I was simply trying to, as I say, get some control of my life, and I had learned a fair bit about sales um, because drifting in and out of work, you, you so often end up if you're not a very good employee. Um, being uh, doing sales jobs because it's one thing you can nearly always get if you can talk a bit. Um, <laughs> true, <laughs> so true, so true. So yeah, it was it was you know so I, so I thought okay I'll buy and sell things and and that was about all I knew about business but it made perfect sense to me that I would buy you know buy buy something in and sell it out put some money on top and that would pay my bills. Um, and I really was, you know, that ignorant. I, I mean, I came from a farming fa family and no business background whatsoever. Nobody ever taught business to me whatsoever. But uh, so, so that was my introductory start. And I dabbled in all sorts of things. Um, but uh, it was later on when I ended up as a single mom that I needed to take it rather more seriously because I was, I was totally stony broke and uh, on sort of the equivalent of income sport and all that and the kids were very young and I wanted to be with them I didn't want to put them out into a child support system um, so I wanted something I could do at home so back to my old massive knowledge of business oh I'll buy something and sell it <laughs> I can do it at home <laughs> Wow. Well, I'll keep it simple, as I always say. You know? Well, yeah, that doesn't get much more simple than that. Nope, not at all. Not at all. So, uh, so I set myself up um, with a shelf under the stairs, quite literally, and a fax phone um, going back in those days, and a card index box because it was way pre-computers. And uh, did a tatty leaflet, and it was tatty, by goodness. Um, but it was all I could muster up on the last sort of gap of my credit card. And started buying in bits and pieces and selling them to interior designers. Because with my sales knowledge, I thought, 
I need to find a B2B, shouldn't have even called it that, but somebody who buys stuff repeatedly. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah, have a relationship um, with know, them and build exactly. a clientele. Yeah. Um, and I was living out in the country, so I thought I must be craftsman so I can buy in stuff and sell um, craftsy things to interior designers. And that's how I started. Um, and almost initially, or almost, yeah, almost right at the start, I had trouble um, with sourcing stuff, um, despite despite the local craftsmen. They were more into sort of spending six months a year building a table than doing quick things and finishing them in sort of designer finishes, which were just coming into fashion. So uh, I progressed to, to a friend of mine spraying furniture in another friend's barn, um, and that was the start of a manufacturing career. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, so, I mean, this is actually a really cool thing because, uh, you know, it, it's so, it's so interesting. You see a demand for like, there's, there's a marketplace for something, then there's a trend coming and then you've got these suppliers that could literally give you the trend, but they're just too artisan or like, you know, yeah. free to be you and me artistic types. And then you're like, yeah, well, I'll just make it myself. <laughs> I think which well, I think is pretty absolutely. cool. I was like, well, you know, I wasn't gonna get gonna stop. I could see there was a market, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was I was driven for for the children by panic as to what else I could do. Um, you know, so so there was just at, at no time I think for for that first ten years was was stopping an option. It just had to work. But, um, you know, after a while, I ended up making it as well and buying out a a small company that was making it on its never-never deal. And, uh, you know, so, and and then in time, you know, I merged those and got a small factory and so it went on and and it grew. Um, But, you know, it was all driven, a lot of it was driven by mistakes, to be honest. You know, it was like when I got the factory, I didn't know how much it was going to cost to set up a factory. I mean, well, why would I? You know, I just thought, it, you know, it's a, a big room and, you know, we'll all move in there and start making furniture the next day. I know, mean, it, you know, at, at the most simplest it is, but then there's all that, you know. Yeah. Machines and people and raw materials, <laughs> you know, all that. No, stuff. I didn't know machines needed cranes and things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's in certain sense, it's good to be naive, you know. I mean, hey, have fun with it, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, and it was, it was a lot, it was a laugh. It wasn't a laugh when I looked at how much trouble I was in financially at that point because, um, you know, having sort of borrowed the money to get the unit and signed up on a 10 year deal. Um, you know, that was very unfunny. But, um, you know, I I did what you clearly mustn't do, which is get a loan off the back of a Sunday paper um, because I couldn't get one anywhere else. And I still wasn't going to tell the children or burden them in any way. And I was still going to make it work. And I did. And I, you know, I went on the selling thing. I just sold and sold and sold and grew it. Wow. I yeah, I mean, there's a certain amount of uh, motivation when you're sort of backs against the wall. I mean, you know, like, I don't know if that's maybe literally or figuratively. Um, I was talking to someone the other day, and he had the same kind of attitude. He's like, well, I had nowhere else to go but up. I, I had nowhere, to, nothing else to do. I had to make this work or, you know, even like yeah. spend, you know, crashing down his parents' sofa wasn't really an option, you know. So he's like, okay, well you know, crank it out. And his, uh, 
similar story with he just had to like sell himself and he was selling services and trying to do this digital ad stuff and which was at its real infancy i mean you know what we're talking about with what you're doing is even before all that digital stuff like (laughs) fax machines (laughs) were, were the only digital thing back then um and i and i just find it i find it super fascinating that even though you didn't have a business background you know grew up on in in a farming community and but had that kind of it's just that attitude it's the fire it's the hustle i don't know what word to really call it um because like when you're put up against a wall you're like okay well i have to make this work and and i think that's can be lost today with some younger entrepreneurs because i mean the means of manufacturing and doing software and all that stuff is pretty much democratized. I mean, it doesn't take much money. It's not a lot of risk to do these fancy SaaS companies where you could, you know, spin some stuff, run some ads and figure out if it works, (laughs) which is cool. Yeah. But what you were doing was a little bit more, you know, like there was, there was real money on the line, real like jobs and manufacturing. And like, you know, you had to, um, you know, take care of your family and your kids. That must have been a huge mental strain on you. Think, you know, in the in the early part, um, you know, it it was it was okay. Um, you know, and I think I kept going. Um, you know, not not thinking it was any strain really, and just just focused. Um, you know, for a long time. Um, you know, and and then I I did have trouble. I mean, I was um, I suppose this is about eight or nine years in, and I have to say we were in the pub. It was Friday lunchtime um, with um, two two people who worked for me, and um, you know, one of them said, "Are you okay?" And I said, "I'm fine. I'm I think I'm going. I need to find some water." And they, they they let me go and then they obviously thought about it because they followed me. And sure enough, I was wandering over a field looking for a river because I thought that would make me feel better. Um, you know, and wow. I I pulled myself back. I mean, you know, they, they, actually one of them was terribly good. He said, of course you need to see a river. You know, let's go and find a river and walk me for ages, um, you know, without sort of treating me. I remember it well without treating me as if I was just on the verge of having a nervous breakdown, which I clearly was. Yeah. Um, And I pulled back, but it was the start of a battle with um, depression and anxiety, which did last through the rest of it, sort of through a further sort of 17, 18 odd years that I had the business. you know, which, which, which was tough on and off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that much, you know, pressure on one single person, um, you know, growing it and and having all of the kind of weight of the world on you. Yeah. That's something that not a lot of people talk about. And, and I'm, you know, clearly glad you didn't jump in the river because <laughs> I think I, I remember um, when my wife died, um, Jane, who I talk about a lot. I remember I was, it was a, probably a month or two after she passed away and I'm just in this haze and similar thing. I think I was having a nervous breakdown and I was even in counseling and I had the whole thing, but I had been, you know, just drinking too much and trying to dull the pain. 
And I just remember I was walking, I was in San Francisco is where I live. And I'm, I'm walking down the street, down Market Street, which is the main thoroughfare, if you've ever been. And I remember uh, there's all these buses, right? And I'm just like, you know, what would happen if I just walked in front of this bus? You know, I mean, not that I was going to do it because I didn't clearly want to, you know, off myself. But I just couldn't, I, the feelings were so weird that I'm like, I can't like the stimulus. I know it's stuff's going on, but I'm not here. Like I'm in a different world. So I'm like, I wonder if I'm just really here, <laughs> you know, like I felt yeah, like no, I, I was kind of floating through the world. And I know it was, uh, you know, still, still takes a lot of counseling, you know, to kind of get through that. And, and of course, as I've, I've talked about, I, I don't, I don't drink anymore um, because of that, but it's, and, and because of my fiance, Minerva, who, helped me through a lot of this and still does. And I just think it's just something that like, so as entrepreneurs, we have the, I wouldn't say it's the weight of the world, but there's a lot, of, <laughs> there's a lot of weight. Right. Yeah. Um, I used to, I used to say that um, like grief was like walking on the bottom of the, of the ocean with this massive boulder that just like holds you down and yeah. you just can't like get rid of this boulder. Uh, and sometimes That's entrepreneurship feels that way. And so after you kind of went through that, you know, essentially, you know, and I had about, about six months and I had yeah. treatment and I took okay. sort of antidepressants for about six months and I seemed to be better. And then I had another wobble about five years after that. Um, but, you know, again, it was, it wasn't actually over, that was even shorter, but then towards, uh, I suppose by the time the children had left home, um, I started, well, a, a particularly with my son, um, who I'm tremendously close with, and, and he um, went travelling, um, which, which I thought was okay because, I mean, he'd moved out of home, so I didn't expect a, sort of another session of, of empty nest syndrome or anything. But uh, I've, I just went to pieces. I really, really went to pieces um, and, you know, completely lost my my self altogether um and after that trying to trying to sort of pick oneself up and go on with business and it just seemed terribly pointless I mean he'd worked for me for a while and <laughs> yeah. it's been us in it together and you know uh, just just to be sensible and keep it going for the people who worked there who weren't frightfully interested and could have got sort of a job down the road because it was in manufacturing is is a little bit of, it's not it's not like a highly creative bonded team you know you don't get people who are as dedicated to to you know doing anything other than earning a, a living which is fair enough but yeah fair enough, um yeah. you know therefore they're not particularly bothered and and just trying to do it for them or because it was sensible to do do it for my old age or whatever it just wasn't enough it really wasn't and i just lost my purpose completely um, you know, and I just got increasingly miserable and I dabbled with selling it and made a hash of that several times. And, uh, you know, in the end, it just wound down and I broke it up, gave it, um, sold the brand to a competitor and just went and let the manufacturing sort of machinery go both sides. Um, yeah. You know, I just walked away um, in having made, made this decision in about three, three or four weeks flat. Yeah. Out. Well, I mean, sometimes... That's the way it has to happen. I mean, mm. it's so hard sometimes to let go. I, oddly, I think for me, you know, it had been, 
as I said, I'd played with selling it for a long time. And, you know, it, I knew it wasn't the same business. We'd been sort of multi-award winning and all the, you know, good stuff and, you know, all these amazing stories and what have you. But, you know, trying, trying to flog it, it was all going to be very difficult and unpleasant. And it, it wasn't where I'd wanted to go at all. Um, yeah, I'd say, you know, and I never was, apart apart from not completely getting, getting locked up or letting go of the children, I was never that financially orientated, which wasn't terribly helpful, I think. Had I been, I might have been a bit more driven for myself, but it just didn't do it for me. I needed needed the purpose for, for yeah. somebody, something external. Yeah. Yeah, no, true. I mean, that, I think that's the real hallmark of, of an entrepreneur. They've got that internal drive that, you know, fame, fortune, prestige, money is all fleeting. Like yeah. the stuff just goes away. You got to really be in it for your why and be in it for either making the world better, yourself better, or some real internal mindset type thing, which I always struggle with trying to, you know, talk about, or at least put in a box. Cause it's a hard thing to put in a box. Cause some people have different motivations, but what I've found is that the ones that are internally motivated with a strong why can transcend all the ups and downs and the failures. And, and I know, you know, it's, yeah. it's really hard to, especially if you've been doing something for, you know, eight, nine, 10 years, it's been making you money. And now you're like, wow, do I really <laughs> have to like shut this thing down and go do something different? Cause I'm miserable. And why am I miserable? And I know, you know a I lot know. of people have that, that challenge and so was there was there any one thing that did it or do you just think it was just like accumulation of it was accumulation I mean I was I was having having loved it in its day I was absolutely and utterly miserable for about the last four years uh and it was one firefighting battle after another and my health was getting badly affected and you know and I kept on thinking you know I've got to walk away from this oh no I mustn't I can't I can't possibly do that um you know and uh I, I just uh, you know it was seesaw seesaw and I, I regret those years I should have on the first time I thought of it if I mean I'm not a great regretter but if if if, if given the choice I would have gone earlier um you know but but the thing that kept me going was writing oddly enough um because oh. uh, oh. I signed up for writing for a, a publication online business fund oh, and uh, you know I wrote for two hours a week and you know that was my two happy hours yeah I I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly love, the same. Yeah, I love I love to write. I mean, writing for me is how I process things. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm writing a memoir about Jane. And oh, how lovely. Our, you know, our relationship oh, and how yeah. that all worked out, um, especially, you know, some of the challenges. And then I've written, you know, the entrepreneur ethos, which this podcast is about. I'm yeah. working on another one about stories and marketing. And, you know, wow. it, it, it's, 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 like I said, it's sort of addictive <laughs> once you like, oh, it's actually not that hard, <laughs> you know, um, because like, you know, you even writing two hours a week is a pretty disciplined practice of, you know, taking the knowledge that you have and synthesizing it into a tangible form that you can share with others. And, you know, as I, as I like to say, as I start the, you know, next decade of my life, I'm going to be 50 next year. Um, 
I'm looking at the fifties decade as the spring chicken, but the spring anyway, chicken, yeah, that's what I <laughs> but the, 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 my fifties, I'm looking for the teaching and, you know, the whole yeah. process of like, okay, yeah, I may know some things I should write some things down. Cause that's personally one, why I'm doing the podcast two while I write all the books, but I, I think it's so important even for me to write this stuff down. I mean, it's so important to synthesize knowledge. And then I, I feel it's also important to, to share it with the next generation and actually to also to share it with those that may not have the option, you know, the opportunity to have all the, you know, I had a, you know, I've had a lot of great opportunity, right? So any way to like foster the community and, and build up this body of knowledge, I think is important because everyone's story, no matter how, young or old you are, or your path in entrepreneurship, I mean, there's some nugget, right? There's always this beautiful, like, I love the, you know, the story about, you know, walking by the river that you just said, and like how, you know, like that, the person that said, yeah, we, you know what, maybe we do need to walk by a river, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, help, helped you, right? Yeah. In a way that, I mean, it's almost intangible. And, and there's people like that throughout all of our lives. You know, the just that little bit of encouragement, the someone that cares, someone that that says, "Hey, how you doing?" You know, that's that's what we got to keep on building and fostering. And and I think a lot of the challenges with burnout, which sounds like you know you went through, and I've been through too. And and there's lots of you know ways to deal with that. But you know the the mental health aspects of being in an endeavor like what we do, where highly variable you know, um, don't sometimes don't know where your next paycheck's coming from. Right. Uh, you got to hustle hard, but I think there was an interview. I don't remember who it was that you were in. Then yours was like, I just can't work for anyone. So I got to do this. Exactly. (laughs) I'm with you. I'm with you. (laughs) Never, never, never. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and the sooner you figure that out, the better, right. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. And, and I think so, so, all this knowledge and learning that you had, and, you know, I'm assuming is going to be put in this book called scale for success. And I'm curious how, how that, you know, the, the, your initial entrepreneur journey with, you know, the furniture company and all those things, how did that kind of one lead you into what you're doing today, which we haven't really talked about yet, but, but before we do that, let's, how did that lead into the book? I mean, what, what was the, Why'd you write the book? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Um, I, I mean, I, as I say, I'd been writing for um, the this publication online, and and after I decided to let it all go, and I curled up at home, and you know, sort of thought I've got to hide under behind closed curtains, and what on earth do I do now? Um, I got hold of my editor, who who was a real sweetheart, um, and I said, oh my God, I can't write anymore. I'm a business, you know, because they wanted people with businesses, and. He, said, he immediately said, he said, you know, would you actually write about why it's been so tough and all the things that have gone wrong? Because actually that's going to be more valuable than anything. Um, and I said, you know, yeah, sure. I mean, he was offering me a lifeline because it was my two happy hours that had kept me going, you know. And, and you know, I came up and, and you know, he said, put, put a proposal together and I came up with, um, I think, sort of a 10-article 10, 10 series, um, which we ran um and and bless me he was he was really nice about it 
um, you know, and said it was one of the best things he he ever he felt he'd ever done. Um, you know, and we we got a lot of a lot of people who were very appreciative of it because people, as you say, people don't they write about they want to say you know I've done this brilliantly they don't want to say right. you know I've messed this up for fortieth time or this has gone wrong. <laughs> Yeah, every everything I like to say everything's sunny in startup land and there's rainbows and unicorns and la la yeah, la 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 because that's, that's you know <laughs> which is never true. I mean, you know, everyone's like, I'm crushing it. You're not crushing it. I know you're not. <laughs> but I mean, there's gotta be some hope. And this is, you know, again, this is why I love hearing the evolution because it's all that history. Like you're you are who you are today because of all the trials and tribulations and learnings and failures. And I don't even call them failures because I think they're just learning opportunities to get you where you are, right? So, wow. Okay. So this well, series, look back to the time. series, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I've seen the series and oddly sort of towards the end of the business, I, I thought, I don't know what I'm doing. I thought better late than never. So I'd better go and learn. <laughs> so I joined a, I joined a very high-powered club down in London of, of massive growth entrepreneurs who who took me under their wing. And, and I did learn a phenomenal amount far too late in the day. The business wasn't a sort of in a state for, them to be, for what I was learning to be applied. You know, I'd come back all fired up and, you know, I wouldn't have the management or anything else to, to actually get on and do it anymore. But but um, but you know it was it was great and I I loved it. These were real entrepreneurs. It wasn't a, a this sounds awful, but do you know what I mean when I say it wasn't a business club. It was an entrepreneurs club. Yeah, yeah, because um, yeah, um, no, I <laughs> we we should we should stop and clarify. Yeah, so business people, we we love them, but they take a model and they just crank it out. So the creativity is not really there. These are bankers and you know like general. Brick and mortar, I like to say, whereas entrepreneurs are like, I'm going to change the world and I've got the chutzpah to do it. Exactly. I'm going to bust the status quo and don't ever look back. So, yeah. It was my first, my first taste. I mean, you know, out of the sticks where I was, you know, it was the local businesses for local businesses. And, um, you know, and I, I never really felt I fitted in awfully well. Um, you know, and I went to this place in London and, and granted I was a, a sort of minnow and they were all shocked, but, uh, you know, they, they were really kind to me and put up with my stupid questions. And, uh, you know, we, there were lots of, of sort of, you know, dinners where, which were all closed doors and don't repeat anything. And I just learned the most phenomenal amount from them, you know, and uh, I was stunned by the whole thing. And I thought, you know, I really identify with these people, which is ridiculous because I haven't got that size business. Um, but but anyway, sort of you know, once the series which I wrote ran to ran to an end, um, I sort of scratched my head and thought, now what? Because I clearly still love writing, um, you know. And what should I write about? And I I kicked the idea around actually for about eighteen months. But I thought, well, I ought to write about business because you know that's that's sort of the only thing I know really or, or entrepreneurship to be exact and then I thought well can I really do that can I cheek that you know or sort of when you know I okay I've got 20 years experience but the last few were bad and you know that's of course what what people are going to remember and associate and <gasps> I don't have the nerve and you know I was, I was listening to you talking about imposter syndrome earlier yeah. actually yeah <laughs> yep yep it's true so, it's so true so true yeah uh, so all of that, and I, I came to the conclusion that maybe I could risk it if I got 
um, some of the other people I knew, um, you know, to to actually support me with um, some input and into the thing, um, particularly the people I'd met in London. And the idea sort of um, spiralled from there, and, and I talked to Bloomsbury about it on a, on a total mad wing and a prayer, you know, oh, I've always dreamed of having a book contract, so I'll talk to Bloomsbury. Oh, wow. You know, yeah. I must have been insane. <laughs> <laughs> there's oh, all, there's a little bit of insanity in every entrepreneur, right? Well, so, there you are, yeah. You know, so, I, I mean, it you... is almost the entrepreneur effect, isn't it, doing something like that? Um, and, and crazily, they said, we'll come in for a meeting. And, wow. Uh, you know, wow. up I went to London, didn't tell anybody, not even my son, bless him, um, you know, because I thought this is, this is you know, I realised what was happening and, and I thought this is really too mad for words, um, you know, and the rest is history, as they say, and I, they, they, you know, I've got a contract with them for scale for success. Um, but they said, uh, take it away, but we would like um, this uh, to have more global input. Wow. Um, so could you please muster up, um, you know, and, and talk to nice people from the States and from Australia, because, of course, we publish in both. Um, so I've had the most amazing time talking to wow. entrepreneurs across the globe, getting that's their great. input to help. Yeah, that's just so on a lark. <laughs> You're like, yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, totally, you know. I That's think, great, you know, though. I tell you, I think I've died and gone to heaven. It's been such an amazing thing to do. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I've read some of the excerpts and some of the, what people are talking about. You know, can't wait to to, to read it. Thank you. Um, and a lot of, I mean, I, I, I had the same kind of approach to the entrepreneur ethos where same thing, imposter syndrome, who am I? Like, you know, my body of work, I'm not some famous entrepreneur. Well, not yet, maybe, but I'm not, you know, I'm not like... I'm not Elon Musk. I'm not Bill Gates or any of these other folks. But one of the things that I found, I think, is, which is why I think what you tapped into is that if I can be the synthesizer of all of this great knowledge and interview people and talk to people and I know how to write and I tell a story and I like pull this all together, then it's it's my sort of my philosophy, but also backed up by the 50 people I talk to, right? The All these people I'm talking to on the podcast. So now I feel like I'm just a conduit, you know, <laughs> like, Me too. like, who am I? No, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, if we do our job well, you know, we, we, we managed to pull together some of the best of their amazing stories and knowledge. Yeah. And, and all the people you do talk to, I mean, almost to a person, everyone I've talked to, they're like, oh, wow, I've always wanted to write a book and I'm all, yeah. then why don't you write a book? And then I realized, <laughs> oh, it's actually hard to write a book. One, right? Two, oh, some people like will never write a book, but they've got a lot of great knowledge. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, I got to tap into that. So, you know, when I when I wrote when I wrote that, you know, the entrepreneur ethos, like I just talked to all the people I knew that were entrepreneurs and and really like, wow, I'm on to something. And it's not again, like the imposter syndrome thing was big for me too. And still is to a certain degree because it's like who are you right like you're not even famous and i'm all yeah well everyone has something to say you know um but i but i like i like that fact so so can you give us some nuggets of what you learned um talking to gosh um i mean i you know i just uh, sort of sat there with my jaw open and tried to concentrate on writing it down um you know i i Where'd you start? So firstly you know i think there was for me there was most amazing being being 
um, you know, as anybody who's listening will have gathered, um, ultimately you and, and having been around for quite a time, um, you know, and and talking to people of of a variety of ages and um, in background in, in both uh, in, in all three continents. You know, I think one of the amazing things was was an insight into the development of entrepreneurship. Um, you know, because um, you know, which which doesn't, which is just personal fascination, and I'll try and come up with something slightly more helpful and intelligent in a minute. But uh, you know, I was I was so intrigued, um, particularly being being sort of not having been directly involved myself, to hear all these stories about Silicon Valley in the early days, or you know, um, you know, and and sort of you know, somebody having had uh, worked for you know people like Mark Ben off and uh, you know and just just you know the startup of amazing companies and you know the, the you know somebody else in the book says um you know without uh, without giving too much away but they were this is this is somebody from England actually you know and they were over in the states way back when and um missing their football team um, and wanted to know the results, and you know they were on holiday. You know, I think in fairness they were at uni, but um, you know this guy they were staying with in New York said, "Well, hold on a second and came back with some paper, and he said, oh, "I just used something called the internet." And you know, you, <laughs> you know, how long ago is that? Yeah, I know. Well, it's just crazy, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I, I was reading a article about Sequoia, which is a very famous VC firm here in the Valley. Yeah. They're on Sand Hill Road. And uh, back in the day, they had a rule that they would only invest in companies they could bicycle to. <laughs> which oh, was, yeah, which that's was a the, story. Yeah. And they're, you know, they were a mile away from the Stanford campus. In fact, I remember yeah. when, when Jane was getting her bone marrow transplant, she was getting it at Stanford right. the Hospital there. And we lived right off Sand Hill Road and I would run up Sand Hill Road to 280, which is the freeway up there. Yeah. And I literally, as I'm running, I'm like going by every famous venture capital firm until I get to the bottom and turn around, you know, I'm like, wow, like this is, you know, I mean, I've raised money on Sand Hill Road before, but just, yeah. you know, it's, it's like, wow, to hear the stories and, and, and all the, um, the lore and, you know, and then when you go to some of these places and you're like, Wow. I'm sitting in the Kleiner Perkins office. Like, yeah, wow, this is pretty cool. Sure. You know? And 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 that's you know part of the lore of Silicon Valley that, of course, you know, um, per- persists throughout the, the world. But the, you know, the the interesting thing about entrepreneur development, as you mentioned, um, where no matter where you go, no matter what country you go to, no matter what culture, no matter who you are there always seems to be the certain type of person that gets into entrepreneurship. And I'm curious, as you interviewed all these people, did, did you find some traits in, you know, some values and beliefs that were kind of consistent among them all, or was that a little hard? that struck me, which, which oddly enough is, is sort of, uh, is fits with why you did entrepreneur ethos for, you know, because increasingly since my day, the number of, um, entrepreneurs that were more purpose-driven for, for the sort of good of humanity or the planet or w- whatever, you know, actually making a huge difference. Um, it just happened to be much higher um, than it ever would have been 10 years ago, I think. Um, you know, so so that really struck me. And, you know, there's some, some amazing people like that who've contributed to the book. 
um, you know, I think um, they're hugely focused people. I think, you know, there's this, this blinkered, um, you know, I'm going where I'm going thing about entrepreneurs to some extent. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I would say um, focus is a good one. To, uh, you know, I mean, it just depends on the entrepreneur. I mean, I always thought the ones that I've seen, I mean, through, I mean, I've interviewed a lot of people all over the, the world and it comes down to this driven to do something different, like break the status quo. Clearly they're all unemployable. <laughs> they don't want to have a boss <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> almost to a person. It's like, I'm like, so what do you do? It's like, well, I can't get a job anywhere else. No one will hire me because I'm a horrible man. Not that they're horrible, but that they, they have this independent streak. They, they, yeah. they do. Um, some of them may focus <clears throat> for certain parts of time on certain things and then like shift their focus. They're usually really interested in lots of different things, which yeah. is kind of interesting. And the other thing is, is there's, they're always hustling like there's and hustle in a good way, not in a bad way, like, you know, like not like, you know, hustling that pool, but like always looking for an opportunity. How can I put this together? And extremely helpful. I've found that um, anytime I've ever had a problem or needed some advice, it's been like, I mean, I, it just gets inundated with, I did this, I did that, this, this thing, that thing, what do you think? And, I love that about yeah. being in the entrepreneur community. And, and I want more people to experience that. I actually feel that we as a community of entrepreneurs need to spread that throughout the world. I mean, clearly, um, we're the ones that are going to start changing, making big changes. I mean, we have been for a long time, but now more than ever, especially during COVID, yeah. having to rethink a lot of things and you know, it's, it's, I think it's the only job in the world that anyone can do. <laughs> There's no, really no limitation, right? <laughs> yeah. You could, be, you could be like, you know, selling, you know, mangoes, you know, in Africa. And in, while it's not as entrepreneurial as say building a tech startup, I mean, you know, you found a need, you filled it. And it's again, like there's a spectrum of it. Like some businesses that are, you, know, you can't really do a, bunch of innovation, quote unquote, on them, but still having the guts to even go climb the tree, <laughs> pick them down and try to sell them is something Absolutely. I think we need to foster in everyone, even yeah. if they don't do it, they should have the skills, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's, I mean, that's why I always, you know, say to people, you know, go and get yourself some of that sales experience. Sales is not a dirty word. It's a jolly useful skill to have to, to help protect you in in life and to encourage you and give you a bit of confidence to go and just to, you know to be able to hustle a bit whatever life throws at you yeah i mean that's the one thing that i've also seen with tech entrepreneurs generally like the sales process to them and i'm i'm this way too i i am not a fan of sales I know that they're very useful and I love salespeople. Like, I love everyone, but I have a hard time with it. And it's just, it's just this weird, I don't know what it is. There's probably some mental blocks for me, but what I've found is that the more I learn about it, 
the more I put myself out there to try to understand the sales process, because it's a process. It's again, it's not a dirty word. It's not the, you know, used car salesman with a, Hey, what can I do for you today? Kind of thing. You know, it's, it's solving, it's really solving problems, but more importantly, it's, it's the mental block. And I think lots of entrepreneurs don't, they say, Oh, I'll, I'll outsource my sales process. And you know what? That doesn't work. I can tell you that from firsthand experience because I've done it a bunch of times (laughs) and, and it failed miserably. Um, but as entrepreneurs, I think the skills that you need to learn and, and, and let me know what you think about this. So clearly you need to have some sales experience. Uh, you need to understand kind of innovation, but innovation doesn't need to be technical. So you got to understand how things kind of come together. Um, you have to be extremely optimistic in that whatever you're trying to do, there will be a market for it. And then I think you have to develop, be able to develop relationships with all sorts of different types of people to kind of pull together a team to go make it happen. Um, would there be anything else that you would, you would add to that or? Yeah. I mean, I think you have to be a people person, um, which I started off and as I burnt out gradually, I lost the ability to, to, to give, which was, you know, again, another down, um, downside and where things went wrong. But I think if you've got, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, it, again, it comes back to sales giving you a bit of confidence. You've got to talk to your customers. Otherwise, you haven't got a prayer of, um, you know, developing something successfully to meet the need. How are you going to know the need if you don't talk to them or more to point and listen to them? Um, you know, which is more valuable than you talking, um, you know, so, uh, so, you know, yeah, it's, uh, it's that skill to actually get out there enough and talk to talk enough to get them talking to, to, to get the product right, to get the relationship right. I can't remember who it was. There was somebody I spoke to along the way um, and they were saying some huge company CEO um, made a point of, of everybody in the business spending some time every week in the customer relations department answering calls so that there wasn't anybody, even if it was in the tech department or whatever, who didn't actually get to hear what the customers were saying. Yeah. And I really get that. Um, you know, I think that's an absolute boon for a company. Yeah. I mean, I agree that that's actually a really good one because customer service is one of the departments or features or whatever we're going to call it, which for whatever reason, tech companies do really poorly. I mean, ultra poor, ultra poor to the point where you're like, what's, why do you even have this? stupid email thing that doesn't even work and almost <laughs> like you're allergic to talking to people right and and it's it's the absolute truth beyond beyond there's this is like going to be Jari's Jari and Jan's rule <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm just going to we're going to bless it right now <laughs> the, the more you talk to your customers and understand their problems by listening which i agree and really getting that feedback and figuring out what problems you're trying to solve, what problems they're trying to solve, the better you will be. And, and you, you can never invest enough in that. I mean, and I, and yeah, I mean, I, I would agree having the tech team, having the management team, like be on the line, be on the customer service call, like talk to an irate person that's trying to figure out your newfangled techie thing and can't understand it because 
you're too pig headed to, you know, like, or too technical to be like, Oh, you mean you can't, can't set up your Wi-Fi? It's like, no, it can't set up this, you know, you know, so, mm. and I just, I don't understand why, why that's just not, I don't, I don't, I don't know why people don't invest in that more because it's a gold mine. Yeah. It's absolutely. just so important. And, and I know it's hard. And, and actually I think a lot of it is a, a bias towards not wanting to know. Um, yeah, I wonder if <laughs> sort of insecurity, you don't want to hear the negatives or, you know, um, you know, but but you can turn those negatives into a positive if you only listen. Oh, yeah. I actually uh, was an article. I don't remember who wrote it, but he had a curve and it was this interesting like little it had it had a big dip in the middle of this curve. And it was like a he put it as like a customer service problem, like a catastrophic problem. And he's like, look, he's like, this is a point of where you can either really super serve a customer at this point, and it'll actually accelerate past where it would have been, or you can just blow that. It'll just blow up. And his point was, and and this is the same with PR, which I find almost parallels, you know, because I'm this course, this expert PR person now, which is silly, <laughs> but, but you know, I mean, like beyond silly, but, but with what it, it's almost like the, the whole phrase, the cover up is worse than the event, right? It's like, if you get ahead of it and you are candid and you're trying to solve the problem and you're, and what I always like to say, you're taking it to the next level or you're, you're, um, you're taking the high ground where you're like, okay, how do I, how do I navigate this extremely touchy situation? chances are that those customers will be with you for a lot longer because yeah. everyone knows stuff's going to go wrong. I mean, it's just life, life, life goes wrong. And I just, yeah. So that's the, the Jan Jari uh, uh, rule, <laughs> invest more in customer service and have everyone be a salesperson. How's that? <laughs> Absolutely love it. Yep. I'm with you in Hatale on that. <laughs> great. Great. Well, you know, Jan, it's just been such a great, conversation. I really enjoyed meeting you. Um, I'm super excited about your book. So let us know when that comes out and I'll put links to all the fabulous stuff and all that, you know, and keep in touch and stay I'd safe. Love that. And, it's been a real pleasure for me to sort of talk the same language. <laughs> awesome. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.